Welcome to Sex and Happiness with Lori Handlers. Amazing sex and intimacy are just around the corner. While Lori puts the finishing touches on her new book, Sex and Happiness Over 60, please enjoy this show. It's one of her favorites from the Sex and Happiness Archives. My guest today warned me that if I had him as a guest that we might have a face-off. And I invited him on the show and told him I would welcome it. Our topic today is going to be really one of my favorite topics, which is a topic, boundaries. Like, what are healthy boundaries? And we're probably going to hear about it from a couple of different perspectives. One, mine being tantric, or maybe not. Maybe my boundaries happened before tantra, or during tantra, or aren't really tantric. And maybe his happened around his inquiry into sex education or what have you. But I really welcome this whole topic and if we agree or don't agree today on the show. My guest is actually Eric Amaran, and Eric is a personal and sex life consultant. And he guides clients towards achieving their goals for both amazing and healthy sex life. Eric apprenticed for 10 years with Betty Dodson, who is the author of Sex for One and Orgasms for Two. Betty's a very famous sex educator, and Eric hung out with Betty for a really long time, and I know he learned a lot. So let's talk a little bit about what I was leading up to in terms of possibly your take on Tantra. I have a grounded view of Tantra versus Neo-Tantra, which I consider to be two different things. Um, well, can you define that for us? Because I'm not sure I understand you myself. Um, Neo-Tantra is what's referred to by most people of the sort of a, um, a softer, I'll use the term softer for the moment, for the lack of a better term, uh, a softer version of uh, the original from the East, hardcore spiritual path, um, you know, sleeping on dead bodies, washing yourself with, you know, major spiritual um, movement uh, versus what we kind of do in the West, which is mostly focusing on the sexual aspects of it. And um, as far as me being anti-Tantra, I'm not. I would say that I like to be as accurate as I can be when you are in. I, I was in, I've been in tantric uh, settings before. I've done tantric sex before. I don't have a current tantric partner at the moment. Um, That's too bad. And, and, yeah, I know. It's just kind of not there at the moment. I'm concentrating <laughs> on, on non-tantric. Uh, <laughs> and um, I found that... I, I was actually interested in Tantra because it had such amazing energetic possibilities and metaphysical possibilities that non-Tantric sex doesn't do, and it also has certain awarenesses, um, very fine-tuned awarenesses that non-Tantric sex tends to not cultivate. And I wanted so, to put... Go ahead. So my So my question is, I mean... But that you would have had to have learned Tantra at your tender age, I'm saying, because I know that you have a sort of tender age. You're you're a young man and I, I and I, I respect you in terms of your voice, you know, what you bring and speak and blog about. You would have had to have learned Tantra though in a neo tantric 
setting, at Neo, so to speak, what you're talking about, because you weren't lying around with dead bodies anywhere in, a, in an ascetic sense of Tantra. That's true. I mean, uh, unless you were. I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't manage to pull that one off. <laughs> so, so I don't get it. Um, well, yes, I originally came from the a, uh, the neo tantric perspective, and I read some of the old books. Oh gosh, I can't remember what his name. It's like the first American to bring tantra over. So the first name was John. John uh, Mumford. Was, yeah, him. And yeah. uh, I, I respect I respect a lot of what he did. Um, yeah. And what I find sometimes with the current tantric movement or the neo tantric movement is, you know, as things get passed down in any kind of tradition, sometimes it's hard to maintain um, the richness of the precision of the original. And as it goes, passes from one person to the next person to the next person, you can get watered down a bit. And then yeah. when you go back to the original, it'd be like, well, you never, they never said anything about this in my first tantric class. And I'm like, well, you know, that can happen from, from that result. And the other thing that I think I'm really focused on as a tantric um, practitioner to the extent that I am is making sure that what I'm doing energetically is actually happening and that I'm not imagining it. Because it's very easy to psychosomatize, if that's a word. Um, ta- uh, tantric experiences in my perspective well uh, so I want to address the first thing and then I'll, I'll, I'd like to address the second thing and, and we'll like we'll, you know we'll kind of take it back and forth and, and I think we'll arrive at boundaries in this <laughs> in this conversation so what you're saying in part one is that you you more respect a tradition kept intact. Is that what you're saying? I mean, help me to understand. Is that what you're saying? You you would respect if Tantra wasn't watered down by it, different interpretations or spins on it. Um, right. It, that the you know when it comes over the boat the first time, like when Mumford brings it over, that individual typically has more of the original detail to it and as it kind of goes out it that drops okay well you know we could say a couple things i i i don't know if i agree at all in this terms of this perspective because i don't i actually don't respect history or the past very much and it's interesting because i learned how to live in the present and let go of the past and all my personal history and lots of other history uh, because of Tantra. Okay. I just learned to let it go and to be, to keep creating my future in each moment now and now and now each moment and just to keep clearing myself and cleansing myself from the past. So it's funny because in my study of Tantra, I did study, I studied with, uh, Bodhi Avinasha and Sunyata Saraswati, who are both, and Sunyata is like a Tantric scholar. And Bodhi pulled the information out of him and put it into a couple of pretty good books. 
and I, you know, it's not, I have no affiliation with them. It's not, there's, this isn't like a defense of them or their teachings or anything. And I did learn what I needed from them and I let most of it go. And then I had two teachers after that who taught me how to access information without reading it in a book. Like how to actually access my own information just from the, I guess the universe, if that, that may sound too woo-woo, but. So I didn't rely on any, any earthly teachers. <laughs> so I, it's, so it's funny, because your perspective is, you know, you're respecting so much the history of it, and I'm, I don't want to make a religion out of Tantra, even though I know it has its spiritual elements. I even tell my students, you know, when I teach them practices, you, I'm not going to tell you how many times to do this breath or clear yourself because I don't want you to make a religion out of it. I want you to follow your own inner guidance and your own inner path moment by moment. So it's just interesting that we have a very diverse perspective here. Yeah, I was once told by a teacher of mine, a separate teacher, different, um, different arena, that in, with regards to energetics, that and whenever I talk to about tantra, just a quick uh, diversion. Whenever clients ask me about tantra and how is that different from like regular sex sort of thing, um, I say to them, well, I could say in a very large nutshell, very basic form, that tantra, its pleasures, so to speak, um, surrounds itself more with energetic connection and energetic um, movements and creations and manipulations, positive manipulations. And non-tantric tends to focus more on physical body uh, pleasure, manipulations, creativity, um, advancements. Because um, one of the examples I've given to people is when you're in Yab Yum, um, Yab Yum, in my opinion, was designed for energetic purposes, not so much like a great or elaborate sex position to allow, right. you know, and so that people... Well, wait, get, we, have to, we have to say what Yab Yum is, because you know what it is, and I know what it is, but sure. not everybody out there knows what Yab Yum is, so do you want to describe it? Yeah, sure. Yab Yum is when the guy uh, is sitting, how much, it can either be Indian style or in, I think, Half Lotus, I'm not really sure on that. But um, he's sitting there, and he's sitting up erect, and the woman comes and slides her yoni down uh, over his lingam, and she wraps his or her legs around the small of his back, and they kind of, she kind of sits on him in the same position that he's in. And yoni being here, a woman's opening, vagina, vaginal opening, and lingam in your description being a man's penis. Right. Just so everybody gets his gets their knowledge here straight. This is, this is like an education. So what? how do you want to talk about that in terms of the comparison you're making between energetics and actual sex play, I think? For example, um, Yabyam, like I was saying, is was designed, in my opinion, to facilitate or best facilitate energetic sexual exchange versus its goal being physical body sex exchange. Yes, physical sex is happening, but that in a way is um, 
and there is a physical connection, but that's not the greater purpose for this position. The greater purpose is the energetics between the two individuals versus another position, like say a non-tantric position. Um, let's say um, one where the woman is on her back with her knees close to her chest and the man on his knees um, sliding into her from that position where they are not chest to chest. They can still look and they can still see each other. They can still look into each other's eyes, but there is a, a, a greater distance. And it also allows access to other points of physical erotic contact, like um, like her inner thighs, uh, her clitoris. There are just easier access for physical reasons that the guy can provide clitoral stimulation and vaginal penetration at the same time. Whereas you can do that with yab-yum, but the access that yab-yum provides uh, doesn't facilitate it as well as that example I gave of a non-tantric position. Okay. So, so the point is, okay, but we're back to the point about I'm asking a question to you about so what does that have to do with Tantra in its original form, like the way you appreciate it? I, I'm, I'm just not sure where you're going with it. Oh, yeah. In a way, uh, oh, yes. I was going <laughs> to it from a perspective of, uh, yeah, thank you for pulling me back a bit, <laughs> change the subject. Um, I had a teacher once who said that when you're doing energetics, um, it's really the hardest thing about energetics is making sure that what you're doing is accurate. Is it actually happening or are you imagining things? I see. And the second thing, after you're pretty sure that what you're doing is real, and this could segue over into boundaries, is what is the nature of the energetics you are doing? And in the thirdly, is the nature of the energetics you are doing safe for you or other people? Because in his in his last words on the subject, not that he's dead, it's just, you know, it was he concluded his his moment. He said, because if you're not careful, you can go mad from energetics, either trying to figure them out, assuming that something is real when it isn't, or when, and when you're doing something with energetics that you're not ready for and you need training for that you don't have. So I was coming at it from the non from the old school Tantra where according to what I've been told, those guys and women had a more of a structured path to opening up those bigger and bigger energetic abilities. And they did so because they understood, I guess, through the, you know, millennia or the however many thousand years they were doing it, that these dangers and concerns did exist. And I see yeah. that, that the non-Tantra community does not have the same sort of hardcore uh, concerns uh, on these safety issues, in a way. Okay, now I see where you're coming from. Thank you so much for explaining that. I guess, I, in response to you, I agree wholeheartedly that in Tantra, people do focus on the energy. They focus, I, they focus on not only on sexuality. They focus on moving energy, and it does involve sex as the portal, Although it doesn't always involve sexual contact, it may just involve using energy. So I, that's very astute of you to point that out. And also, I agree with you in today's world, 
today being the year 2010, uh, there are a lot of people who are calling themselves Dakas and Dakinis and Tantrikas, and they are not clear themselves. They have no clue about their own energy and how toxic it may be. They have no clue about some of the energy that they're going to, that's going to be opened up in them, and they're working with other people. Right. So, yeah, that segues into boundaries <laughs> really well. It's, um, it's kind of a, it's very, it's a tremendous concern of mine. I mean, when I first started Tantra, there weren't that many people doing it. Maybe there were like, I don't know, 50 Tantra teachers in the world, and now there's 50,000 Tantra teachers. And there's so many. Everyone's a Tantra teacher, and it's scary to me because many of them haven't been trained at all. They just read a book, and now they think they can move somebody's energy, and they haven't really cleared their own. So for me, it's a tremendous concern. So thanks right. for putting that out. Yeah, I mean, as far as what you're saying before the break with regards to um, when you, you, you don't want it to seem like a religion, and that's cool. That's one of my teacher Betty's things about Tantra. Her original uh, exit from Tantra, she did it back in the 70s. Her exit was because I don't want to turn sex into a religion. And I, you know, I personally don't see it as specifically like canonizing and making uh, sex a religion. It's just a religion or a spiritual path that happens to use, utilize sex. Right, right. But there are people who would turn it into that. You know, it's funny. It's just funny that we're saying this because in 1996, I had this astrology reading. I'm not really like a big pers a person who goes and gets lots of astrology reads. You know, it's happened maybe a couple times in my life. I'm usually not sought it out, but this particular time... I went to an astrologer in Baltimore, and he said, so, you know, he gave me lots of interpretations. I don't remember much of it, except for one thing, something about the 12th house. He said, if you could make sex into a religion, you would. <laughs> and I said, that's interesting, because next week I'm taking my first Tantra class. <laughs> and then here I am, I became a Tantra teacher. But I yeah. so don't want it to be a religion. It's so, it's so not what I want. Which is why I, you know, I couldn't imagine communing with dead bodies in, in right. India. So when you so, gave the, you gave an example of you don't want to tell your students how much to breathe, you know that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And my question is, what if the sort of old school pads? were done in a particular way, and I'm sure, like, the exact number of breaths won't save you from disaster. It doesn't work that way. Right. But if, to a certain extent, the directions that they gave students were to design so, to, to make sure that you didn't stray off the path on a path that, because it's metaphysical, in many ways, you have very few senses to know where the heck you are on that path other than feeling and maybe an intuition or a knowing. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. You can't, okay, excuse me, you can't feel it. Um, you can't taste it. You can't hear it. It's uh, it's hard stuff. So, yeah. I see where you, yeah, I see where you're going. Like, what if they were, there was what if method to the madness or madness to the method? I, I understand what, you, what you're saying. I... For me, 
I really do lots and lots of, and emphasize lots and lots of emotional release techniques and clearing so that people really can feel and intuit for themselves where they need to go. And most people, I don't initiate them into certain breaths until they've done so much clearing work that they actually really are clear. Because I also know that if they're not clear, their body's going to change it or they're going to forget. So I don't worry about it so much when I initiate them into an ancient practice. I, okay. I Like, they're clear. They're really clear. By the time I give them that, I make sure of that. Okay. Now, do other tantra teachers do that? Not so much. That's why I mostly travel around and teach people how to do lots of clearing. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to say something now about the boundary thing. Um, yeah. I, I went to a class with Tini Dakini, who also teaches Tantra, and I'm sure you won't know her very well. <laughs> of course, she's been a guest on my show many times. Yeah. Tini Dakini, yes, 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 and we teach together. We do a course called It Takes Two Goddesses to Do New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was one of the first people who I sat down with to discuss uh, energetic boundaries and her classes um, discuss energetic boundaries, and it was very fascinating to me from the perspective of when people can use energetic uh, intentions or energetic actions, let's say, and not be aware of them or be aware that they're doing them because the outside world doesn't accept it, you know, as reality. Um, for the moment, we're going to go to that place of, like, this stuff is real or else we can't have this conversation. <laughs> Oh, it's definitely real. Listen, if anybody's listening to this show, they're already, they're already on a certain wavelength or they want to hear about it so they know it's real. Okay. So, so not to worry. Like, just go for it. Okay. Um, where people through their past experiences, trauma, uh, positive things, whatever, um, however it happens, people can learn or develop unconscious energetic intentions and actions that are then applied to their uh, outside environment, to people, uh, to things. And sometimes those energies are beneficial, and sometimes they can be quite poisonous and perhaps benefit the person doing them, but is, are detrimental to those that uh, they come in contact with. Yeah. And um, that, talking about with regards to boundaries of, when you are doing energetic things, knowing knowingly or not, that cross over into, I remember what Tini was saying, energetic, good energetic manners of uh, knowing when you're doing energetic things or not knowing, and people feel that stuff or can respond and they'll say things like, he's kind of creepy or why do I feel this way when he's in the room or whatnot, and it's kind of the first step in knowing since our culture does not acknowledge energetics anymore, that uh, and our parents didn't really teach us that it's important to understand what you know is a good boundary, and then I think even more importantly to understand what it feels like when someone is doing something that's unethical, and you can look at them and say, "Hi, I know what you're doing. Stop it." Whereas I think a lot of people in the neo tantra community, it's hot and it's sexy. And whatever the heck is happening is happening, and we're in the moment, we're in the present. 
but they aren't stopping after it's all over with and saying, hmm, like evaluating and saying, it was that safe for me? How do I really feel about how that made me feel? And I wish that there was more of that within the Tantra community and more uh, of a drive to make sure that the energetics are clean. Well, I listen, Eric, I, you know what? It was You blogged about this uh, pretty recently. Why don't we say where your blog is so, so we can just say that? It's a, what, how do people find you? And then I can make this reference to the blog. What's the blog? Um, the blog is on my is on Betty's site at the moment. It's uh, dodsonandross.com forward slash yeah d o d s blog yeah forward slash blogs with an s blogs and then forward slash Eric E R I C hyphen and then amaranth a m a r a a n t h Great. So we'll come back to that too. We'll, we'll announce it again. But I, you blogged about it, and that's what that's what piqued my curiosity. It, it was it was really, I mean, you were going after some practitioners. We're not going to talk about who, but you were going after some people, saying they were actually telling someone they had violated someone's boundaries. It seemed, and you were telling them that even if it felt good to the person whose boundary was being violated. They were saying this is good for you, kind of like here, eat your spinach and like right. it. And you, your objection, which piqued my curiosity, was your objection was to the ethics of that. And I, Eric, I couldn't agree with you more. If that's like, that's like telling someone that's the old. <laughs> I just I hate that this came into my mind, but that's the old thing. Uh, when a woman is getting raped, her assailant says, you know, you liked it. Right. You, you wouldn't have worn that short skirt if you didn't want my attention. Yeah, I think it's even more insidious because in that example, it's simply she's wearing the short skirt. In this example, the person... Uh, comes over to the, you know, I guess say the victim. I don't want to make it sound too dramatic. Uh, <laughs> but um, the person would come over to that person and provide some sort of pleasurable sexual uh, physical touch, uh, energetic touch, or both. Um, and the person will feel like, you know what, um, you didn't ask, you know, for me to do this. You just kind of started and then the person will say, well, we'll listen to your body. Well, what is your body feeling? Does your body like it? And the answer to that is, for someone who is kind of new or very, very new to sexuality, obviously, yes, it feels good to my genitals. That's the answer to the question. Then the person would say, well, then listen to your body. You know, you're opening up good things. Well, no. Just because something feels good does not mean that it was brought to you in a way that was healthy or that the, um, their energetics and their intentions, whether they realize this or not, uh, are healthy uh, forms of erotic arousal. And there are unhealthy forms. Yeah, I, listen, I think, I think you're so right to be speaking out about this. I just... 
you ha- you know you have my attention and that's why you're here today i i think you're so right to be speaking out about this now let me tell you what i think boundaries are so maybe we could get some clear definition here perhaps you'll 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 like this definition and maybe you won't i don't know i look at boundaries as permeable membranes they're not barriers they're not walls brick walls they're not like the kinds of things they have highway dividers Boundaries are permeable membranes that keep out toxins and let in nutrients. And I get to say what they are. No one gets to say what they are for me or what they should be. I get to say, as an adult, I get to say this nourishes me, this doesn't. And they could change in any given moment. Let's say I like you. Let's say I meet you somewhere and I like you and we're you know, talking and connecting and all of a sudden, and I'm, so I'm letting you in because you feel nourishing to me and I'm just picking you, you know, could be anyone. Sure. I feel, you feel nourishing to me and then all of a sudden you say something or do something that I, the hair on the back of my neck goes up or something. I get a sense that, oh, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel right to me. It may feel not physically good, but it may also feel like in my, you know, in my knowledge base, in my aura, whatever, like something in me, my gut, my stomach, that didn't feel right to me, what you just said or did. I have a right, right then to say, you know, I have a boundary about that. I don't want to talk about that. Or don't go there with me. Don't call me honey or, you know, don't. I look. I used. I can remember one of the earliest. My earliest boundary experiences. I was in a dance company. I went to George Washington University. I was in a dance company, and the whole dance company was women except we had one man. And this man, when he used to hug, because we all compared notes. All the girls compared notes. This one young man, when he used to hug us, his hand used to come by and sort of graze our breath. Uh. Every hug. So we put, you know, first I thought, am I imagining this? Then I thought, oh, it was a mistake. Then I thought, oh, it happened again. I don't like this. And then I asked a few other of the girls, when this guy hugs you, do, does he? Yes. So then we had to sit him down and and set a boundary with him. That was like one of my earliest boundary things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I can change, I can set a boundary. Also, as we get closer... What I perceived to be my boundary could change. What I thought I needed to say no about back then, as I get closer to you, I might pull the boundary and say, I don't need that boundary anymore. I trust you more. Right. So uh, how are you with that definition? Um, the way I would handle something with regards to, uh, like, first of all, you ask, whenever there's a kind of a pivotal sexual moment in someone's uh, life or someone's present, I should say, um, like a first time something, then particularly, and I don't touch my clients, so this doesn't uh, quite apply in the same way. <laughs> Thanks but, for saying that. I appreciate right. you for saying that. Right. Um, but if I was... Because it's a little different when you're with a romantic partner. Things can just kind of flow. And you don't have to ask every single little question. You know, we know how that is. But if there's kind of a moment where you reach one of those 
you know, little boundaries where you're not sure if she's ready or into something, then you ask permission. I mean, one of the things Tantra taught way back when I first started this stuff was you ask the woman's permission to enter her yoni with your hands, with your lingam, with anything. And I don't think that that has to be absolutely hard and fast every second of her life while she knows you, uh, although it can be nice, you know, to hear um, here and there yeah. or, or, or with the first, you know, entry of the evening, let's say. Um, but when you're doing something with someone for the first time and you don't know where they are on something, then it's wonderful to just ask where they are and uh, get an affirmative, you know, yes, no. And if they're not really sure about something or if it's you know, maybe, but they don't feel totally up for it, if they're on the fence, then it's a no. And you don't go back there and push that boundary. You go somewhere else where there are open doors, so to speak. And until that person changes their mind of their own free will uh, to give it a try, then you don't go to, you can remind her, hey, what do you think about this now? Like, you know, X, you know, three months later or whatever. Um, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I feel better about it now. But it's important for me to hear them say, you know, yes, go right ahead. Let's try this or let's do this. Then if the person tells me, I'm not really sure about this moment that's, that, that is with us right now. And the person, it's almost like a coercion. Um, that, well, you know, this does feel good, doesn't it? And instead of acknowledging the person's concerns, instead of walking away immediately. Yeah, it's good. It's so what you're distinguishing here is manipulation, really. And I think, just for the record, I think you're talking about people who are so-called tantric practitioners, not necessarily, you know, Joe and Sally couple who went to a tantra class. Although what you're describing works for them, I think you are taking offense and criti- and being critical of people who are getting paid money to work with people to help them expand sexually, and they also, oh, by the way, they, they're violating some boundaries. So, right. So it's, it's a great point, Eric. It's a really great point. It's a very great point about ethics. When someone comes to you as a client and they're coming to you to learn healthy sex and have amazing, you talk about uh, high-end sexual pleasure, what does that mean? Like, And how do you accomplish that with people? And how is well, it different? How is it different from Tantra? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, how it's different from Tantra, I'll say, because uh, the Tantric show, uh, it's, again, more focused on physical body pleasure and learning how to create more elaborate more and more elaborate forms of physical ba- uh, body-based pleasure, uh, psychological, erotic-based pleasure, um, not energetic, uh, not expressly energetic. It may happen as a byproduct, but I don't do energy, you know, guidance classes for my clients. Okay. Uh, so as far as high-end uh, pleasure, but I will say that I some of the things I do mix in from Tantra that I've really enjoyed and has really helped non-tantric sex out. Uh, so I do integrate some tantric things that I have fallen in love with. Um, like, but what? Far- <laughs> like what? Like uh, what? One of the things I think tantra is amazing at is 
how closely they can feel subtle sensation. Where I think the non-tantric sex world can get very focused, and obviously so, on the big orgasms, the big, the big feelings. Um, Tantra is also just as good at using that focus on the little tiny feelings and going into that feeling and being extremely present with it instead of seeing it as, well, it's, you know, nice foreplay, kind of calms me down, but let's get on with it. And I, what it does for the non-tantric individual once they can do some of this or they increase their their, uh, skills with it is when the big orgasms do happen, then they are much more multidimensional than they were before. So it can help you with the big and the little stuff. So you're really you're making the Tonto argument. Thank you very much. <laughs> so okay, so you so you expand. It sounds like you expand people to their great, you know, to expand the container for how much pleasure they can actually stand. Is right. That, would that be in a nutshell? Uh, how much pleasure they can? Well, let's see. Uh, how much pleasure? They develop their bodies to, um, yeah, to, to in, not, I wouldn't say endure, to accept or to enjoy, because um, there is what I, what's called pleasure anxiety. Um, when it gets so strong, people can pull away to kind of yeah. where your body can reflexively, subconsciously do things to uh, mute the pleasure's intensity, its strength. And I teach ways to, oh, no, um, when you're ready for it, here are ways, for example, I teach other stuff too, um, with how to make that orgasm stronger throughout the orgasm's duration um, and made to, to really maximize that effect in ways that if you, you may not even realize that you're doing or not doing something that could help that. You know, it sounds great, Eric. I mean, it really, really sounds great. I'm so glad to be talking to you about this. So if you, if, so what kinds of people come to you? Um, mostly I would say it starts the youngest around, um, early thirties, sometimes some late twenties. I've had one client that was 22. Um, but I'd say the majority ages are forties, fifties, um, and some sixties, but pretty much forties and fifties. There's something I called the conservatism of youth where, where I think that a lot of young people either A, think they figured it out already, yeah. or there is a conservatism with them where they're like, that's weird. And when you get a little bit older, or also they're a little bit concerned about what would my friends think, what would my parents think, if even though they're never going to know, right. they're still going to go to those psychological places. Or what would my husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend think if I did this or wanted to do this? Whereas when you're in your 40s and your 50s, you're like, okay, I want this enough with the, you know, fears or enough right. with, you know, trepidations. I want to investigate this and see where it leads me. Now, I have to ask you something else because we're, we're kind of winding down. But, of course, I have to ask you about your liaison with Betty Dodson. We mentioned it earlier in the show. You graduated from college and then you... I don't know how long it took you to find her or if you knew you were going to find her, but it seems like you sought out the partnership of Betty Dodson. A smart man you are. I mean, Betty Dodson is a pioneer 
in female sexuality. And uh, so what was that like for you? You're so many years younger than her, and you, but you two were like an item for a really long time. And uh, was it only, it couldn't just have only been research. Uh, oh, no. I mean, we had a, um, a full-on, you know, romantic relationship. And also, we had the shared ability, and I think it's not as common in our culture. We tend to have to, in our culture, separate, like, I call it flow sex. When you're, when you're going, you're not communicating or you're not developing. You're not uh, trying new things out. You're, 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 you're dancing. You're tango dancing. And um, we were able to do that sort of tango dance and then the, just out of nowhere in the moment go into an analytical frame and then for as long as we needed to and then sweep back into the flow. Oh, and wow. So so you could you actually could create and develop course material or new material for a book or what have you while you were engaged in sex. Right. And... She, I mean, yeah, new new learnings, new methods, um, new positions, um, new subtle um, pleasure techniques to increase the pleasure of something, increase the comfort of something, uh, whatever it happened to be. Now, you, how? What is your age difference? I mean, I just have, the reason I'm asking. I don't really care because I'm an older woman who's always dated younger men myself, but. Your age difference was really a, sort of a big span. What could you tell what it is? She is 47 years older than me. Right, right. So and that, I mean, that that's odd. What's ironic about that is tantric, uh, you know, old school tantric um, initiates and stuff often had great differences in age. I remember Betty telling me a story of a friend of hers back in the 70s who went to India and uh, had a sexual training connection with a tantrika woman there, and a woman maybe 30 years older than him, uh, who had already, you know, had got the wrinkles. She's maybe in her 60s or something. Mm-hmm. And um, he and I shared the same perspective, which was we wanted the real thing. And in Betty's case, she was in very good shape. We got together when she was 69, and I was 22. So as far as her looking old or having some of those things that we ascribe to not being attractive to a younger person, yeah, she had a few of those things. But um, through just the grace of the universe or whatever, everybody, whenever they see her, they look like she's in her 50s. She looks like she's in her 50s and she's 80 now. So that definitely yeah. helped. that definitely helped. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm you know, it's kind of like I, I, I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you in the world. You know, I'm happy that you that that you sought her out. I'm ha- I, and I know when we heard about it, I, I you know it was years ago already. It se- you know it seems like it was just yesterday, but I know when when we heard about it over at Butterfly Workshops, my company, we were like, wow, this is so great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Look at who Betty Dodson is with. So it was great, Eric. It, it was it was a very inspiring. For a young men and for older women, you know, it just was a it was a it was a great liaison. Just the press of it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So it was great, and it seems like you've learned a lot, and uh, and and that you're doing some really good stuff. If a couple were to come to you, just this is a kind of a little little gift, a tantra 
cafe takeout, if if a couple were to come to you and you were to give them one tip that they could take out from here, from hearing us, what would it be in terms of uh, what to do in the bedroom? What's one tip you could give? Um, in a tantric and non-tantric sort of blend? Sure. Okay. Um, I would say be as honorific of the pleasures that your physical body, your clitoris, and your G-spot, you know, do not place one above the other. Uh, master both of them um, That on a physical body level. And I do not place energetic sex as superior to physical um, sex pleasure to endeavor to create both simultaneously because something tells me and I'm not there yet with energetic uh, sexual sophistication as a lot of people are within the um, Tantra world but something tells me if they knew what I knew and I knew what they knew that we'd have some incredible sex on this planet <laughs> well you have to hang around with a couple of more tantric women then I think you might have to now that you've had, now that you've been with Betty you might need to find somebody else who's a a tantric master of energetics. That's true. It sounds like you you might welcome that experience, and it'd be really it'd be a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> All right, listen, Eric. Eric, thank, thank you. you so much for being my guest. I look mm-hmm. forward to meeting you face to face one of these moments. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs>